have opened a study on some of the dangerous prayers of the Bible by focusing for several weeks on this first dangerous prayer that makes is made up of four requests that are risky, that are dangerous. David's dangerous prayer of this psalm included these three that we've already seen. The first, search me, O God, and know my heart. David wanted God to examine him and reveal to him the true thought of his heart. He wanted to be right with God. So much so that he was willing to undergo a spiritual open heart surgery so that God could reveal to him his misguided thoughts, his motives, his excuses, and rationalizations, and what he was ignoring and covering up. Then he prayed this, try me and know my thoughts. Unlike we often would do, David asked God not to make him comfortable by taking him out of the furnace, but to make him uncomfortable by putting him in the furnace. Why would he pray that? David understood that what we fear often shows us where we lack faith in God. And he wanted to know that so he could grow. Then the third dangerous request of this prayer, and see if there's a wicked way in me. Throughout this psalm, David shows great contempt for the wicked, for those who themselves hold God in contempt. But David knew that there was that possibility in himself of something he was unaware of, that he ignored, that he was blind to. And so he asked God to show him anything in him that displeased God. He asked God to reveal those idolatrous tendencies, the grievous attitudes and actions he did not want to live with habitual attitudes or activities that fell short of what God wanted for his life. What about you today? Are you satisfied praying safe prayers? Are you willing to commit to dangerous prayers such as David prayed? Prayers to God that invite him to reveal you to yourself, reveal your anxious fears and lack of trust, and reveal your sin. These are not comfortable prayers. But they are prayers of transformation. If you authentically pray prayers such as these, God will respond. And when he does... He will cause you to be transformed more into the image of Christ than you have ever been. But you have to be willing to pray dangerous prayers like these. Would you notice then the fourth request of this dangerous prayer? And as we begin, I want you to read these two verses aloud with me, okay? So join me in reading aloud Psalm 139, 23, and 24. Ready? Search me, O God, and know my heart. 
Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the privilege again of joining together in this building as the church to worship our Savior Jesus, the one who is the head of the church, who is the chief cornerstone, the one who loved the church and gave himself for it. And I pray today that you would meet with us in a special way, that you would continue to challenge us in this area of our prayer lives we've been studying for several Sunday nights. We looked at this morning. You have brought us to a place of focus on this area of our spiritual lives, and I pray that we would not, because we have focused on it so much, turn away or ignore or neglect, but that we would be truly open to how you want to speak to us through your word and be changed. And we'll be sure to praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. As you think about this fourth request in this dangerous prayer, you may notice that it is set in juxtaposition to the previous request. So go back to the third request just for a moment. What did David pray? He, he prayed, see if there be any wicked what? Way in me. See if there be any wicked way. But then he prayed in the fourth request, and lead me in the way everlasting. So he wanted God to reveal, is there some wicked way that I need to know about in my heart, in my life? But then God, I want you to lead me in the way everlasting. David was not satisfied with God simply revealing his sin but he desired God to reveal to him the direction he should go. God, don't just show me where I shouldn't go, that maybe I'm going there right now. Show me the way you'd have me to go. In the year 2003, the NPR interviewed uh, the person who was at that time serving as both the head of Israeli Secret Service and commander-in-chief of the Israeli Navy. And this individual had just recently uh, produced a statement of peace principles co-authored by a Palestinian university president and professor. But during this particular interview that focused on that statement of peace principles, he was asked about what could be done to get things moving in a positive direction between the Israelis and Palestinians. And he responded in part with this statement. Remember, he's commander-in-chief of the Navy. He said, A captain who does not know where he wants to sail... There is no wind on earth that will bring him there. Think about that statement. A captain who doesn't know where he wants to sail. He doesn't have a destination in mind. There's no wind on earth that will take him to where he wants to go or should go. 
Have you ever thought about destination? And I don't just mean as a believer in Jesus Christ, you've placed your faith and trust in Christ for an eternal destination heaven. But have you ever thought about the end of your life? And when you come to that point, what you'll, your life will have meant? What it will have counted for? God's desire for your life goes far beyond correcting attitudes and activities that aren't pleasing to him. God wants to direct your life. We understand from the word of God that it is God who gives us purpose, meaning, worth, significance, and opportunity. And with God, there is no lack of these. And as I look out in the world today, I see a culture, I see a people who lack purpose, who lack meaning, who, who lack for an understanding of what significance is, who, who lack an understanding of true human worth and value. But with God, there is no lack of these. There is no need for living without an aim, for sailing without a destination, or for striving without a mission. We who know and follow Jesus can get up every day knowing that our life has purpose, knowing that our life has meaning. You can study, you can work, you can play, knowing that your life is not empty, that it is not meaningless. God gives us purpose. He gives us meaning. He gives us significance. He brings worth to our lives and to what we do. And this reminds us of a beautiful truth. The Christian life is not about the absence of the negative, but the presence of the positive. Your Christian life and mine should not be about what we're not for what we don't do our lives can be all about what we are for and what we can do through christ who strengthens us god brings good to us into our lives so in contrast to any wicked way david besought god to lead him in the way everlasting Let's spend a little time breaking down what this request is all about. When David prayed that God would lead him, in the basic sense, this word simply means guide. He wanted God to bring guidance and direction to his life. In fact, the very first time this word is used in the biblical record it's found in the book of Genesis. Do you remember the story of Genesis 24? Abraham, who was aging, called for his most trusted servant. And he said to his most trusted servant, I want you to go back to my home country. And I want you there to seek out a wife for my son, Isaac. And this trusted servant wanted to do a good job. He wanted to accomplish the task, but he was concerned. What if, what if no one's willing to come here and marry a guy that she's never met? What if, 
What if I can't find the right one? What if, in all these questions he was concerned, he wouldn't be able to accomplish the mission. And Abraham trusted that God would provide, that God would direct him. And so the servant went. He comes to a well that is within the area of Abraham's home country. And at the well, he prays to God and says, God, let the one who comes and I ask for a drink of water offer to not only give me a drink, but to, to, to give drink to my camels as well. To take that extra step. And even before he's done praying, what happens? Rebecca shows up. He asks her for a drink. She says, you know, I'm not only going to get you a drink, I'm going to lower my pitcher into the well and draw up enough water for your animals as well. And the servant's mind is blown. Has God really prospered me already? And the Bible says this in Genesis 24, verse 27. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who hath not left destitute my master of his mercy and his truth, Notice this now. I being in the way, what? The Lord led me. I being in the way, the Lord led me. I being in the way, I seeking God's direction, I seeking God's favor, I wanting God to show me the way. God did what I asked him to do. He led me. He guided me. He directed me. The servant sought the Lord. He committed himself in his situation to God's care. And he determined to obey as God led. And when God evidently did so, through answering his prayer... The servant continued obeying. He followed the Lord. And it was clear to both the servant, to Rebecca, and to her family that this was all of God. This was God's direction. It was his guidance. And so they were willing to say, yeah, Rebecca will go back with you to the new land that God has taken Abraham to. Remember at that day, there's no FaceTiming mom and dad. There's no returning home. They won't see Rebecca again, but God directed God led but this word lead in Psalm 139 also has another meaning in some contexts in the Old Testament it denotes the idea of yielding to authority in Psalm 64 67 verse 4 the word is used this way, and that same Hebrew word is not translated lead, but it is translated govern. Notice Psalm 67, 4. There the Bible says this. Oh, let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for thou shalt judge the people righteously and govern the nations upon earth. Selah. So in this context, the same Hebrew word speaks of God as being in authority over um, the Lord of the master of the one who has authority and power over all the nations of the world 
So David, when he comes to the Lord and he says, God, I don't, I don't just want you to show me any wicked way in me, but God, instead, I want you to lead me in, in the way everlasting. I want you to lead me in the right way. But it wasn't just about God guide me, God direct me. When David said, God, I want you to lead me, David was also saying to God, God, you are my Lord. You are my God. You're my authority. You're my king. And I am yielding. I am submitting to you. Isn't it awesome to know that God brings value and meaning to my life. I'm thankful for that. I can live with purpose. I can live with meaning. I can live with an understanding of my value. I'm not talking about a big head, self-inflated conceit. I'm talking about a recognition of the value that I have because I am made in God's image, because as a believer and follower of Jesus Christ, I have a special purpose in his plan. I am his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. I'm thankful for that. But listen, that doesn't mean what it could and should if I do not yield to his authority in my life. There has to be a yieldedness, a submission. Are you yielded to the authority of God? You want your life to count for something. You want it to have had or to have value and meaning. It is God who brings that to you. But you will not understand it. You will not be able to enjoy it. You'll not be able to fulfill it apart from God's direction and apart from a submission to his authority. Will you yield to his authority? Let me ask it these ways. Let's be real specific and practical are you vocationally yielded to his authority are you in the field that god wants you in at the company that god wants you at working the schedule god wants you to work working your job the way that god wants you to work it and influencing your co-workers the way that god wants you to i believe with all my heart that we should be able to answer yes to questions like those. I believe God's plan for each of us is that directional. Are you financially yielded to his authority? Who has control of your pocketbook, your wallet, your purse? Do you give what, when, and how God leads you to? Is God in control, or are you in control? Are you relationally yielded to the Lord? Is there a relationship in your life right now that is clearly not what the Lord would have it to be? It may be your marriage relationship. 
It may be a relationship between you and your parents, between you and your children. It might be a dating relationship. It may be a relationship that is broken, that needs reconciliation. And it's God impressing upon your heart to seek out that reconciliation. Are you yielded to the Lord in your mentality, in your emotions, in your feelings? God made us emotional beings. God made us with feelings. But friends, listen to me tonight. God does not desire that our emotions and feelings control us. Our emotions and feelings need to be under submission to God and His Spirit in our lives. So maybe tonight, as you think about those questions and perhaps other things that God has impressed upon your heart, do you need to pray this dangerous prayer? It's great to ask God to reveal to search you, to reveal your anxious fears, to show you your sins that you're ignorant of, unaware of, blind to, that you've ignored. If you've committed to these, I trust that you're praying authentically for God to lead you and that you'll respond as God speaks to your heart. And here's where the rubber meets the road. David's prayer was not only an invitation for God to reveal his heart, his fears, and sins. It was an invitation to God to guide his life, to give him that direction. It was an invitation to God to show him how to live with meaning and purpose. It was an invitation to God to lead him to have a life of significance. It wasn't that David it was simply resigned to the here and now, but he wanted a life of meaning and significance eternally. Lead me in the way, what? Everlasting. Not just lead me in the here and now, but lead me in a way that is for eternity. And that's what the way everlasting is all about. It's the antithesis of another way that's spoken of early in the Psalms. Uh, you may recall it. Psalm 1-6. You remember Psalm 1, don't you? Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. And down in verse number 6, he talks about the way of the wicked that perishes. The way of the wicked ends in destruction. Proverbs says it this way, There's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. Destruction. The way everlasting is the way of a life that touches eternity, that values eternity and the things of eternity over the temporal and the things that are temporary. It seeks eternal gain rather than temporal gain. And the only way to experience this life is to begin where David began, with this 
dangerous prayer. Lead me in the way everlasting. God, I am asking for you to guide and direct my life. And as I'm asking for that, my determination is to be in the way. Like Abraham's servant said, I being in the way, I'm already in the way of submission, the, the way of yieldedness. I'm already in the way where God has led me to this point. I am continuing to seek God's guidance and I am determined to go where God guides. Begin there. Not just today, but every day. Lead me in the way everlasting. God, my life is yours. My mind, my heart, my body are yours. My relationships are yours. My ambitions are yours. My possessions are yours. My job is yours. Strip away what you need to strip away. Add what you need to add. Direct me to live a life that is focused on eternity. God brings us purpose, meaning, value, significance, opportunity, but we do not experience these fully simply because we're his children. We can only experience these as we pray and then follow through on the prayer that says, God, lead me in the way everlasting. Remember again what that Israeli statesman said, a captain who does not know where he wants to sail, there is no wind on earth that can take him there. The spiritual antithesis to that statement is what Jesus said in Matthew 16. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. 